Hello, I'm Daryl Root, and this is Camp Ridgers, the Dakota Rustler Show, where listeners are like threesomes. Two-thirds of you actually enjoy what's happening, and the other third tune in knowing it's a big mistake. <laughs> uh, but all kidding aside, please visit the sponsor's webpage at campridger.com com for some absolutely fantastic seasonings which of course make a wide variety of foods taste better than they should in addition please help support this podcast by visiting dakotarustler.org and buying me a cup of coffee that's a small one-time three dollar donation that can be made via the paypal link or the donation link with that out of the way, let's saddle up and let's go for a ride. New story number one. The first topic is a very serious one. It deals with rape and Russell Brand. YouTube has cut off Russell Brand, who has 6.6 million subscribers, from making money from the video streaming site after several anonymous women made allegations of sexual assault against the comedian-turned-influencer. The incident supposedly occurred between 2006 and 2013. His comedic tour has been canceled, Brand also has been dropped by his talent agency and a publisher since the, alleg- since the allegations became public. The BBC said it had taken some content featuring Brand from its iPlayer and Sounds app, quote, having assessed that it now falls below public expectations, unquote. How about the expectation of innocent until proven guilty? I know it's Britain and not America, but come on. It happens all the time here, too. He's immediately being found guilty by society before he has had a trial or even before he has been charged with anything. Brand, who is 48, denies any allegations of sexual assault made by the four women. The accusers, who have not been named include one who said she was sexually assaulted during a relationship with him when she was 16, which, by the way, is the age of consent in England. Another woman says Bran raped her in Los Angeles in 2012. Bran has written numerous memoirs charting his battles with drugs, alcohol, and his promiscuity. In recent years, Bran has largely disappeared from the mainstream media, but has built up a large following online with videos mixing wellness and conspiracy theories. His YouTube channel has featured COVID-19 conspiracy theories, supposed vaccination misinformation, and interviews with controversial broadcasters, including Tucker Carlson and Joe Rogan. So, one can't really help but wonder, is this a liberal attack and another example of false allegations by women who ruin things for real victims of sexual assault? Let's hope not for their sake. On the other hand, if allegations turn out to be true, let him suffer all the consequences. I have read some of the statements made by the four women and some other people who have worked with him and offhand, it certainly doesn't sound good. However, 
as bad as it may sound at this point, the proper response would be to assume innocence at least prior to actually being found guilty. How do you like to use your lose your job and all your sources of income simply due to hearsay? I'd like to believe that all the women who claim rape were actually raped, but unfortunately, there have been too many incidents of false accusations in the past by various women. Let us remember the Duke lacrosse team in which multiple men were accused and it turned out to be fake. Number two. Prosecutors say New Jersey Democrat Senator Robert Menendez and his wife accepted gifts such as hundreds of thousands of dollars, bars of gold, mortgage payments, and a luxury vehicle from three New Jersey businessmen. The pair faced three criminal counts, conspiracy to commit bribery, conspiracy to commit honest services fraud, and conspiracy to commit extortion under the color of official right, or in other words, money for illegal favors. The indictment comes after a years-long Justice Department investigation. It looks so bad at this point that even the New Jersey Democrat governor has said he should step down. Naturally, in Trump-like fashion, the senator and his wife had denied all the charges, stating, quote, for years, forces behind the scenes have repeatedly attempted to silence my voice and dig my political grave. There has been an active smear campaign of anonymous sources and innuendos to create an air of impropriety where none exists, unquote. Does that sound like Trump? So, as in the case of Russell Brand, let us see how this plays out. In this case, though, there is seemingly actual evidence not just hearsay what is that evidence here it is federal agents executed search warrants last year at the senator's home they found evidence including over 480,000 in cash stuffed into envelopes and hidden in clothing closets and a safe half a million that's a lot of money for a senator's paycheck that's like me keeping a hundred thousand in my dresser. Uh, not not gonna happen. Agents also found a Mercedes-Benz luxury vehicle paid for by one of the businessmen parked in the garage, as well as one hundred thousand dollars worth of gold bars in the home. In his defense, that is only about fifty ounces, but why won't you put that in a safe deposit box in a bank? Prosecutors allege Melendez's wife worked with one of the three New Jersey businessmen to introduce the senator to Egyptian intelligence and military officials. The two exchanged thousands of text messages which she deleted from her cell phone. So I guess she's not smart enough to know that deleted messages almost always can be recovered from one of the two phone accounts. The New Jersey businessman allegedly provided money so that the senator would benefit from Egyptian government with foreign military sales and financing. On one occasion, prosecutor say Menendez secretly ghost-wrote a letter on behalf of the Egyptian government seeking to convince other U.S. senators to release a hold on $300 million in aid to Egypt. <sighs> 
Can we please add fraud to the list of charges? The Mercedes-Benz convertible was given supposedly in exchange for impeding a New Jersey state criminal prosecution into another businessman's associate. For the record, this is not the first time Senator Menendez has faced bribery charges, though he was found not guilty in a 2015 case. This, my listeners, is your government at work. Most of them are probably taking bribes. Number three. President Joe Biden made his case before the UN General Assembly on Tuesday that the world must continue to waste taxpayer money in defending Ukraine against Russian aggression, warning that no nation can be secure if, quote, we allow Ukraine to be carved up, unquote. He didn't actually say waste taxpayer money, but he might as well have because that's what we're doing. President No Mind called on world leaders not to let support for Ukraine diminish, arguing that Russia is counting on countries to grow tired of a prolonged conflict in Kiev, which will allow it to brutalize Ukraine without consequence. So in other words, let's just have another Vietnam, everybody. No, let's not. The Biden administration has asked Congress to green light an additional $24 billion in security and humanitarian aid to Ukraine. But Republicans remain steadfastly opposed to more Ukraine aid because it's not their party holding the presidency. If it was, they'd endorse the money and the Dems would be against the funding. The only thing that changes in a duopoly is who is arguing for whatever cause. Despite French reports stating that 55% of Americans now oppose more funding, something which our media won't tell you. Biden stated, quote, We have to stand up to this naked aggression today and deter other would-be aggressors tomorrow. That's why the United States, together with our allies and partners around the world, will continue to stand with the brave people of Ukraine. Unquote. Naked aggression? Maybe we just need to wait until it's winter time. <laughs> Bad joke, I know. Hey, maybe Nikki Haley should adopt Biden as her father. She loves war, too. You know, send them money, send them money. The article then goes on to make a comparison to the China-Taiwan political conflict. But let me just say this. Not only is $24 billion another 150 per worker in this country on top of what they already have taken, but we need Taiwan semiconductors a lot more, far more, than we need Ukraine's grain. Our farmers have no trouble feeding America. They don't produce semiconductors, though. With that, it's time to take a break, and when I come back, more horse sense. For all things Dakota Rustler related, please visit dakotarustler.org. The website contains links to media sites, a merchandise store, and a button to donate to the show. Your support helps to pay for expenses of production, as well as research time. Feedback is appreciated, and comments or topic ideas can be sent to the email address listed on the website. Sponsorships are also available if you have a business to promote. Now, back to the show.
Hello and welcome back to the Dakota Rustler Show. Just want to do my usual shout-outs to Danheim and Vinny Camilleri, whose music is what you hear in the background during this show, and to Arabel Kimmick, who does all the voiceovers. Thank you. And as another reminder, don't forget to like or subscribe to whatever program and format you are listening to this podcast on. With that, let's continue with the last two stories. Number four. As the UAW strike continues, the Biden administration is hobbled by a lack of legal authority to steer the talks. Good. It's none of their damn business. It's none of his damn business. The big three automakers are private entities, not government entities. Heck, when it comes to transportation, Biden can't even drive his own bicycle without falling over. Maybe falling over is what should happen to the union. Keep listening. The union initially wanted a 40% raise over four years and a mere lazy-ass 32-hour work week and equal pay no matter how long someone was on the job. This is America. This is not Germany. We should not want to be like Germany. The 40% figure was used because CEOs supposedly made 40% more last year than they did the previous year. So let's take a look at that. Ford's head CEO made $21 million in 2022. Most of it's stock, which means they can lose it if the stocks tank. Would employees want that potential loss? The entire $21 million in pay divided by Ford's 173,000 worldwide workers equates to a mere $128 per employee. That's less than two-tenths of 1% of Ford's median pay of $74,600. Two-tenths of 1% is a far cry from 40%. What the union wants would bankrupt the big three automakers, or prices would skyrocket and consumers would buy foreign instead, which to me is okay. Toyota is far better than anything we've made in a long time. That's what I have in my garage, and that's probably what I'll always have. They make a great car, but that's just my opinion. In addition... Big three automakers say they need the money to make the transition into full EV production, which, for those of you who don't know, requires 40% less workers to build. So if you add 2 plus 2, you should be able to get 4. Union workers are trying to suck up all the money they can before 40% of them get laid off should Biden's EV net zero carbon agenda become a reality. Of course, the government answer is always a bailout. How do I know? Proposed aid for suppliers has been thrown around since the minute it became clear there would be a strike. So expect bailout talks in the future if the strike lingers too long. My advice, F the big three and their 75,000 per year workers. Buy Toyota. Hmm, I wonder if I could get paid to be their spokesman since I like them so much. (laughs) Maybe, never know. Last but not least, number five. 
Yes, despite claims to the contrary, the U.S. does negotiate with hostage takers, and we pay them off, encouraging more of the same. Five Americans detained for years in Iran walked off a plane and into freedom last week as part of a politically correct risky deal that saw President Biden agree to the release of nearly $6 billion in frozen Iranian assets owed to them by a third country, South Korea. The $5.9 billion in cash released to Iran represents money South Korea owed Iran but had not yet paid for oil purchased before the U.S. imposed sanctions on such transactions in 2019 under Trump. So yes, both parties love sanctions. There's that word again, sanctions. Both parties love them as much as they love taking lobbyist bribes like Menendez does. Biden maintains that the money will be held in restricted accounts to be used only for humanitarian goods such as medicine and food. Those type of transactions are currently allowed under American sanctions targeting the Islamic Republic over its advancing nuclear program. So, if they're already allowed, why were funds frozen to begin with? Is it because we can't resist interfering in other countries' affairs? Of course it is. We are the Borg. Resistance is futile. And what they are not telling you is this. The $6 billion windfall opens up $6 billion elsewhere. If a friend gave you $500 to make a car payment, like they did in Menendez's case, you now have 500 of previously existing money to waste on illicit drugs, alcohol, prostitutes, or any other vice you want to spend that money on. Tensions remain high in the U.S. and Iran, which are locked in disputes over Tehran's nuclear program and other matters. Iran says the program is peaceful, but it now enriches uranium closer than ever to weapons-grade levels. And $6 billion in new money, uh, make that existing money, will help them to obtain it. Three of the prisoners, Samak Namazi, Imad Shargi, and Murad Tabaz, hopefully I'm pronouncing them correctly, upon arriving, threw their arms over one another's shoulders and walked off the plane to a building in the airport. Now, I hate to jump to conclusions and judge book by their covers, but those aren't exactly American names. Just putting it out there. I'm not making any actual accusations. However, the Biden administration said the five freed Iranians pose no threat whatsoever to U.S. national security. I'll just leave it at that and be quiet. On a side note, Iran also supplies Russia with the bomb-carrying drones that Moscow uses to target sites in Ukraine, which remains another major dispute between Tehran and Washington. But, what the hell... We just gave them another $6 billion so they can use $6 billion of existing money to supply more drones to Russia. So yes, let's continue to spend money defending Ukraine, but indirectly also help Russia to bomb them. This is our government at work. With that, I'm going to call it another podcast. 
Hopefully you'll tune in next week for another show. So you know the mantra, question authority and always be free. Thank you for listening to the Dakota Rustler Show, a production of DL Root, Buzzsprout.com, and their affiliates. Any unauthorized use of this show is prohibited. Until next time, have a great day and don't forget to subscribe.